<laughs> now, I hope nobody's offended by this joke I'm going to tell. Um, some people, I hope, I hope you're not. But uh, a horse walks into a bar. <laughs> the bartender says, hey. And the horse says, wow, you read my mind. Come on, come on. That's funny. That's a good clean. Now, for this next mind-reading episode, I'm going to need a volunteer. Thank you, Erica Dawson, for volunteering. And Mike, I need you to come up with her as well. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. I need, no, you're not. She asked, she said she needs you up here. Um, now, um, I need you up here for confirmation of some things. You're, you're, you know, you're trustworthy. Come up here, Eric. I'm going to give you this little piece of paper so that you can keep up with things. Mike, I, I need you to come where I'm standing, and I need you to confirm that I cannot see what she's writing on that notepad, and I cannot see what's on the other side of that board. That is correct. That is correct. Now, can you just stand right up here in front of us to make sure that I don't cheat, okay? Because this is very important. Now, I'm going to read Erica's mind this morning. Now, I know that some of you are doubters, but this is going to blow your mind when I read her mind. Mike says he can't even read her mind. So, um, <laughs> now, Erica, I need you to pick a number between 1 and 10. Just any number between 1 and 10. I need you to multiply that number by nine. See, it's good that you have a teacher who can do these things. <laughs> well, she still knows how to do things. <laughs> you don't get in trouble now. Don't you get in trouble. <laughs> now, Erica, uh, I want you to take both of those digits, and I want you to add them together. Okay? You got that done? Now, I want you to subtract five from that number. Now, I know that you're only a PE teacher, but you know the alphabet pretty well. I want you to find the corresponding letter in the alphabet to the number that you just have there. Okay? Now, now Erica, I want you to think of a European country that starts with that letter. Whatever that letter is, whether A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever it is, you think of a European country that starts with that letter. And you can write it down on your notepad. I can't see it. Are you ready? Okay. Now, I want you to take whatever that number was, and I want you to add one to it. You got that done? Yeah. All right. Now, I want you to match the new number to another letter in the alphabet, whatever that letter corresponds to that number. You got that? Now, I want you to think of a circus animal that begins with that letter. A circus animal that begins with that letter. You, 
We could be in trouble. We could be in trouble. <laughs> now, I want you to think of the color of that animal. All right, now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on. No judgments here. Okay. This is just to make sure. I want you to go to the marker board, and I want you to write your answer down. What, what is the color? What is the animal? And what is the European country? The color, the animal, and the European country. And when you're, when you're finished with that, I want you to write so everybody can see it now. And when you're finished, I want you to let me know that you're finished. I'm done. You're, you're done. Okay. Now, I might be done in just a second here. I'm really, I'm trying to think of the, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a gray, a, a gray elephant from Denmark, a gray elephant from Denmark. Is that wrong? Apparently, I don't play the game right or something. <laughs> I thought she was a PE teacher. I give her all those numbers. But can I say, that's what I had in my mind. Except it was an emu. Well, thank you for volunteering. It was an emu. I don't know what happened right there. <laughs> she says, that's what you get for asking me to volunteer. Well, it should have been a gray elephant from Denmark. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, now, um, it is beyond belief that we didn't get that right. I don't know what happened. Um, but I, I'm not a mind reader, and I don't know any mind readers, but there is a simple trick to that. It's supposed to be a math thing. Uh, if the math is done right, and I'll have to look back at that. I don't exactly know what happened, um, but we'll figure it out. You know, we often wish we could read someone's mind, though, don't we? I mean, before you ask her out, wouldn't you want to know she's going to say yes? I mean, that would be something that would be helpful. Before you say, would you marry me? You would sort of want to know, I mean, was she going to say yes or is she going to let me down? Uh, before the job interview, you'd want to know, uh, what is that person thinking? And how can I, you know, present myself in a good way? I can think of a lot of scenarios where reading a person's mind or knowing their thoughts could be very useful. But we can't read people's minds. We may jump to conclusions about what we think somebody's thinking, but more often than not, we're wrong about that. We're, we're just imposing our own thoughts upon them. But out of all of the relationships that we have, don't you think knowing God's mind and thoughts would be the most helpful to us in life? I often get asked, how can I know God's will? And we might as well ask, how can I know what God is thinking? What God thinks about this thing or that thing or this action or this decision? 
And that is a great question, isn't it? Isn't that what we all want to know? What does God think? And I hope today to give some clarity to that answer. In our text today, Paul gives us a beyond belief truth that every Christian needs to know. God wants you to know His will. Do any of you doubt that? Do any of you question that? That God wants you to know His will. He is not hiding His thoughts from us. He wants us to understand what He wants us to do. It's sometimes difficult to decipher. I get that. But if we follow some simple steps, I do believe God will reveal the answer. Now, we go to our text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And if you're following along in the Core 52 study, you know that verse 16 is our core verse for the week. But we're going to look back from verse 13 through 16. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now I want you just to think about Paul's words here. I think first of all it's obvious that God does not think the way the world thinks. I mean, you get that, right? Why do we think so differently than the rest of the world? Why does the rest of the world look at things, you know, just in polar opposite ways than we as Christians do? If, if you're living by the world's standards, it's going to be hard to understand God's standards. Would you all agree with that? We're talking about moral and ethical decisions that we must make in life. God has already revealed His thoughts to us concerning morality. God has revealed what He sees as right and wrong. But often we miss it. Or we don't pay attention to it. In fact, the probability is that if you are already involved in seeking the world's acceptance, you will not really care about God's acceptance. Mark Moore points out, sin clouds our thinking. If you're really already sexually immoral, you will not understand God's thinking about sexual immorality. If you have sin habit, the likelihood is that you won't accept God's thinking about sin. If you're trying to figure out God's will while still trying to please the world, you will never figure out God's will. So if there's an issue, maybe we need to look internally and see what, what is keeping me from understanding God's will. If you're trying to understand God's will while 
choosing immorality over morality, then you are going to struggle. The world is truly an insufficient place for us to turn to in order to know God's will. The world's standards constantly change. However, did you know that God does not change? How many of you knew that? God does not change. In Numbers 23, 19, we read, God is not human, that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So God does not change his mind. Now that was in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in James 1.17. We read, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who what? What does it say? Is it up there? What's, are we not getting the stuff on the screen? Okay, so uh, it says, who does not change like shifting shadows? All right? Now, my job as a preacher is not to make people feel good. <laughs> now, I like to make people feel good. I, I like seeing a smile on people's face. But my responsibility before God is to communicate how we can be right with God. Now, that many times means challenging people's ideas of what is morally right and wrong according to God. And sometimes that's going to make people feel uncomfortable. And if they need to be uncomfortable, then I need to make them feel uncomfortable by the reading and understanding of God's Word. Sometimes we need to be uncomfortable so we can get to a place where we can feel good about our relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25, we read, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, <clears throat> the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So, friends, if the wisdom of the world is foolish to God, why are we turning to the world for wisdom? Why are we basing our decisions on what the world or our culture thinks is right or wrong? So God doesn't think the way the world thinks. And we want to align our thinking with God's thinking. Second, to understand the will of God, we have to know God. 
Having a relationship with Christ means that we have, as Paul said, the mind of Christ. Now this is through the Holy Spirit. This is not to say that we are perfect in our understanding. That's not it at all. It's merely to say that without a relationship with Christ, there is no way to know the mind of God. I've heard a lot of people say, I just don't understand women. Any of you guys ever said that? I just don't understand women. I think there's a lot of truth in that. It, it's hard for us men to understand women. Now, let me ask you women in here. Do y'all understand men? No, see, they say, that they say the same thing. I just don't understand men. However, think about this. When you've been married as long as Christy and I have, you begin to understand what that other person thinks before they even say it. How many of you are in that situation where you know what your spouse is going to think before they even say? In fact, you're thinking the same thing. You see a news story and immediately you start thinking that same thing. Chris, I, I, I took some of these jokes through Christy. Obviously, uh, I probably should have rethought one of those. Um, but uh, the, the horse in the bar thing. And Christy sent me a text today, well, uh, this week. She said, hey. And I said, wow, you're reading my mind. She said, yes, I was. <laughs> See, that's the way it is. But the key is that we are together almost every day. We talk about things. We have experienced life together. We have good times and we've had some hard times. We love each other. We know each other. Some of you other couples have been married a long time like we have, and you know that other person. If we had spent 30 years avoiding each other, would we know each other? No. If we had talked to each other for two minutes every day, and that was the extent of... of our 30 years together, we would not know each other. If we spent one day a week sitting down together for about an hour, would we know each other? No. And isn't this like our relationship with God? When we spend time with God, reading His Word, praying, worshiping, meditating on Him, we begin to know what God thinks about things. If you want to know God's will, the key is to know God. Amen? Spend time with God. Have conversations with God. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So if you want to know God's will, I mean, sometimes God just plain, point blank just says it. This is my will. Plain as day. You may ask, how do I pray continually? Well, the Spirit of God reveals the thoughts of God. So you can talk with God 
constantly. You don't have to go into a closet, close your eyes, and get on your knees to pray. You can be praying driving down the road. You can be praying while you're sitting at your desk. You can be praying sort of in a constant situation where you have this communication going with God. Look again in our text in 1 Corinthians 2. This time we're going to go back to verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now, let's put together what we read earlier. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. See, God has given us His Spirit. This is what makes the difference. This is why we can know God and what God is thinking about things. And all God is saying is, talk to me. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me where it hurts. Tell me your dreams. Ask for my help. Ask for my forgiveness. Ask for my presence. God is ready to be with you so that you can know Him. And third, God has provided His Word to tell us what He thinks. Mark Moore pointed out that we can absolutely know what God thinks about our moral choices because God has made it very clear what He thinks through His Word. He's made it clear how He wants us to live, how He wants us to treat other people. The only way to know what the Word says is to pick it up and read it and meditate on it. In other words, study it and think about what you have studied. David uses the word meditate no less than eight times in Psalm 119. Now listen, this is not a transcendental meditation where you clear your mind of everything. That, that's not what God is asking us to do. And if somebody's asking you to clear your mind of all things, be, be careful about that, friends. God wants us to meditate Focus, laser focus on His Word. David writes, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Verse 23, though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Verse 27, cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on on your wonderful deeds. Verse 48, I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. 
Verse 78, may the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. And verse 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. The other day I asked my mom what her favorite verse in Scripture was, and she said this, and uh, we're using the KJV because this is how she memorized it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. She explained that when she was in the seventh grade, her teacher told the class that this was her favorite verse of Scripture. Now imagine that happening today in our world. Some teachers might get in trouble depending on the schools they're in. My mom thought about that at that early age, and she thought, you know, I like that verse. And she adopted that as her favorite verse. That verse expresses a desire to know God and to be pleasing to God, to know what God thinks about things. And so from that early time in life, my mom adopted that view and that is how she's lived her life. I think we could all learn from that, right? So let's think about what this means for us personally. I, I saw an article Britt Mooney did for Crosswalk.com back in December of last year. Five ways to know, uh, five ways of how to know God's will for our lives. And I'm just going to run through these pretty quick. First, stop doing things for God and live with Him. We, we have to know God to know His will. We mentioned that earlier. Attempting to carry out God's will separate from our intimate relationship with Him leads to dead religion and legalism. But living with God and not for Him is the foundation for everything that follows. So I want to encourage you, live with God. Be with God. Secondly, submit your will to the Father's will. Jesus declares that He didn't live according to His own will, but submitted to the Father's will. Even as He faced the challenge of the cross and asked His Father to take away this cup from Him that He was going to suffer, He understood what was coming. He concluded, not my will, but Thy will be done. Now, how does this work? I must be willing to give up my expectations based on my limited vision of things for God's will, even if it seems like a sacrifice. Ask yourself, does the decision go contrary to God's revealed universal will? Whatever that decision is, whatever you're needing to know and understand, is it contrary to God's Word? Now, while those principles of God's universal will may not give us the details of life, they do provide important guidelines for us. Returning to the New Testament teaching on marriage, we may not know the details of it or when or who we're, we should be marrying, but 
We do know that we shouldn't marry an unbeliever if we are Christians. We need to be equally yoked with a person. These boundaries in Scripture may not provide the specific choice, but they do provide some keys to God's best desires for us. At the same time, we know the kinds of things that please God. You read the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are things that please God. So as we're living our life, if, if you, you're asking yourself, okay, how do I treat this person that did this to me? Well, God's already told you this. Love people, be forgiving, be kind. On a practical level, we must be diligent to study the Word of God. And when we do that, we will know these things. Now, number four, humbly seek counsel from the community of faith. The Spirit of God is in you individually as a Christian, but it is also in the corporate body of Christ. There, you know, every Christian here has the Spirit of God. So wisdom does not only reside in me personally or me individually, but in my connection with many other disciples. Living in a faith community, in a, in a church, we also see examples of faith. So other disciples will see things about us that sometimes we don't even see. Have you experienced that? Somebody sees something, you didn't even recognize it. You didn't understand it. Our gifts and our spiritual impacts uh, can help us to understand the will of God. Since they also want the best for us, our brothers and sisters, they can help us to discern what we need to do. This community of disciples can hold us accountable. The ones we share with intimately shouldn't be a big group. I don't think, you know, you come up and publicize everything you've done to everybody. But we do need those trusted spiritual voices in our lives. It becomes easy to get so busy with life that we neglect developing those relationships. We must be intentional about reaching out and investing in those relationships. And the final thing is don't worry about making a mistake. I find this happen with a lot of people. I, I, I'm afraid to make a decision because I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. Listen, if we follow the principles outlined today, there's no need to worry about making a mistake. Fear of making a mistake will keep us from stepping out in faith when God is leading us. He already loves us. He's already for you. He's already leading you to the life that will give you the most eternal, extravagant joy, despite what it looks like in the middle of the story. Sometimes we can get all excited about stuff, but God is with us. In fact, Jesus died for you when you didn't even love Him, and you didn't even care about Him. So He is already full of joy that you made a decision to walk with Him. 
Now, let's suppose my child asks me what I want, and I say, bake me a cake. Bake me a cake for my birthday. Then they bake me a cake. And it doesn't turn out so good. Sort of like my mind reading exercises. <laughs> I did a horrible job. But they make a mess in the kitchen. So what do I do? Do I yell at them and come down hard on them because the cake turned out bad and there's a mess? No. That would crush their hearts. And listen, if, if we wouldn't do that to our children, do you think that's the way God is going to be with us? Our Father is a good Father. He's the greatest Father. Even if we make a mistake in our endeavor to live with Him, the Father corrects us gently in love. He's pleased we are with Him. And He's ready to work all things out for His glory and for our good. So we must live in close relationship with the Father, submit our will and expectations to God's plans, knowing He is good and leads us to greater things. We need to stay rooted in the wisdom of the Scripture, seek wisdom in close, trusted, spiritual friends, and don't allow fear to rob you of the faith to act. Those five things will teach us to know God's will and live in the fullness of joy with Him. I want you to know that God is not hiding Himself from you. He's wanting you to seek Him out and to know that He is God. He wants you to know His will, and I pray that you will discover it as you grow in your relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we're so thankful and grateful for your love, for your grace. I pray, Father, that you will just help us to seek you out in life. Help us to understand that we can know you. We can know your will. We can know what you want us to do. Father, there are many things in life that you've already made clear. This is right. This is wrong. And if we know your word, we will understand those things. So I just pray, God, that, that on those areas of moral, morality, and ethics, that, that we will just cling to your word and we will trust in it. And in those other things, Father, I just pray that as we grow in our relationship with you and we get closer and closer to you, that we will come to understand what your will is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.